The greatest of these is love. In 1 Corinthians 13, uh, take your Bibles, turn with me there. We'll start reading. We'll read what we discussed last week. And then we'll read and add to it for our discussion this week. So 1 Corinthians 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. And though I give my body to be burned. But have not love. It profits me nothing. Love suffers long. Now your version, some of them say love is patient. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Is not puffed up does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, and thinks no evil. So this morning we want our focus to be on that one phrase there that says, love suffers long. We want it to be on love is patient. We want it to be in the first five there where it tells us that it does not seek its own, it is not provoked. I'm reminded of a poem. Patience is a virtue. Possess it if you can. Found seldom in a woman and never in a man. Maybe that made me say ouch this week. (laughs) How do we define patience? Patience is defined as quiet, steady perseverance, even tempered care, diligence. The absence of patience causes a reaction. A reaction that's usually not pleasant. It's usually in the form of a horn, in traffic, a finger to the passerby. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, you've either had it or done it. Um, It involves harsh words, angry words. It involves reactions that we regret. It involves activities that are despicable. How many times this week have we heard someone who had lost patience or had become angry, had driven their car into a crowd of people? The loss of patience. I don't know exactly how many people have died this week because of that type of action, but I know it's up to 15. We, as the body of Christ, we are told to be patient. We are told to suffer long. We are told to not be easily provoked. But we're also told that not all anger 
is sin, right? The scripture says to be angry, but do not sin. The scripture says to respond. So how can I know if in my situation when I'm praying, Lord, I want to be patient. Lord, I want to be kind. Lord, I don't want to be provoked. How can I know if the response that I'm giving, and hear me, there's a difference between a response and a reaction. Would you agree with me? A response is controlled, thought out, and for the believer who submitted to Christ is prayed through and asked the question, God, am I going to glorify you? So how do I know the difference between my anger? Is the thing that I'm directing my frustration toward or is the thing that I'm responding to, is it something that would make God angry? If it would make God angry, then I can have anger in me and not sin as long as my response is in such a way that brings Him glory and brings about a change that would honor Him if the change took place. You say, well, pastor, you just don't understand how frustrated I am. Remember what got Jonah in trouble? Jonah forgot where he was a citizen of. He forgot that he was a citizen of the kingdom of God. And when he decided that he was more Jewish than he was a citizen of the kingdom of God, then he could pick and choose who he shared the gospel with. He could pick and choose who he loved. And God said, no, Jonah, you're mine. You're my prophet. You're my voice. You're the one that is to go speak to the nations on my behalf. And you are to deliver this message to them. And what we have to do as the body of Christ is we have to remember first and foremost above everything that we are a citizen of the kingdom of God. And when I am a citizen of the kingdom of God, yes, I may need to respond, but I better be very careful about how I react because when I react, I'm going to do it in emotion and my emotion will lead me to places I do not want to go. The Apostle Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 5, Now the works of the flesh are evident. In other words, you can see them. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions. Have we seen any of that going on around us? Yes, we have. And as the body of Christ, we see it. We know it's going on, and now we must understand and interpret through the Word of God how do we respond in these moments. Paul says love is patient. Paul says a work of the flesh is a fit of anger. We're told to be careful that in our anger we do not sin. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says, Be angry and do not sin, and do not let the sun go down on your anger, and give no opportunity to the devil. So when I am in the middle of a loss of patience that has caused a reaction that is not pleasing to God, I am giving an opportunity to the devil to work through me. 
How many of you want to be a tool in the devil's hands? Not I. So now, as a child of God, as a follower of Christ, as one who is set up and said, Lord, we want to be different. We want to be like you. Teach us how to be patient. There are two places in Scripture, both There are many places, but there's two places that we go to often when we think about patience. One of them we find in the book of Genesis, chapter 17. Abraham and Sarah said that God told them, you would have a child. And finally, the Lord came to them and visited them and said, in a year from now, you'll have a child. And we know what Sarah did, right? She chuckled outside the tent. But yet, in their impatience... They decided they would take things into their own hands and and respond that way. And when they did that, they got outside of God's will and the result, we still deal with the effects today. So we don't want to be there. Now another example of patience that we find in the book of Genesis is in the book of Genesis chapter 37. In the book of Genesis chapter 37, it's the story of Joseph. And you know that story. Joseph was... One of many sons, he was the favored son. Daddy made him a coat. The other brothers became jealous and envious. And when he went out to check on them, they thought about killing them. Somebody thought better of that, so they put him in a hole. And when they put him in the pit, they didn't know what to do with him. And all of a sudden, the caravan comes by and they said, I tell you what, let's don't kill him. Let's just sell him to those in the caravan. And Joseph has to be thinking, God, what are you doing? Why is my life like this? Why am I going through these moments? And it didn't really get better for him. It did for a minute. He got there and he got favor. Then after he got favor, he got um, the Potiphar's wife, the, the, the head dude, his wife became attracted to him. Then he had to run out of the house naked. That wasn't a good day. If you don't believe me, try it. It's a really bad day. So he has to run out of the house naked. Well, then he gets thrown in prison, and and surely he's going, what? And ultimately, I could tell you the rest of the story, but on the back side of the story, we hear this phrase. What you intended for evil, God intended for good. And so here we have one example of patience that has led to strife and discord, an impatience that has led to strife and discord in our lives even right now, and another example of patience that has said, if you trust God, He has a future and a plan and a purpose. So, we have on the table before us this morning the Word of God that says, be patient. We have before us this morning the Word of God that says, do not become easily provoked. Did you hear that? That's a key phrase there. It doesn't say that you cannot become provoked. It just says, do not be easily provoked. And then once you are provoked, Make sure that what you're provoked by is something that would be displeasing to God. And then if it's displeasing to God, don't react to it and give opportunity to the devil, but respond to it to bring about a change that would bring glory to God and to His kingdom. So, it doesn't seem that a reaction is the issue or a response is an issue doesn't really seem that anger is the issue unless that anger becomes uncontrolled. So what we want to do this morning 
is we want to learn how to have righteous anger, anger that's pleasing to God. We want to learn how to respond when we are angry so that we bring honor to God and we do not give opportunity to the devil. So if you'll take your outlines, I believe everyone has one that was placed inside your worship bulletin. We're going to look at five ways to diffuse unrighteous anger. And please let me make that distinction. Unrighteous anger, that's what displeases God. Anger that's not controlled by Him or directed by Him. So the first thing that we see, and let me read this verse to you first, James 1, 19. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Now, can I tell you, that's not the natural man. The natural man does not be, respond that way. The natural man is quick to speak, slow to hear, and quick to get angry about it. So, that's another spiritual truth we need to understand. As citizens of heaven, we need to go against what is our natural responses. And now we need to respond in our supernatural, which is slow to speak, quick to hear, and slow to wrath. Now let me tell you, you cannot do that apart from being a person who is submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Because at any moment that you put yourself back on the throne, you're not going to behave that way. So Paul has told us to be patient, not easily provoked. James has told us to listen quickly, speak slowly, and don't react in a hurry. So here we go. How do we diffuse unrighteous anger? First of all, as a child of God, who is controlled by the Holy Spirit, who is not functioning in, in, functioning in the natural, but in the supernatural, I must first decide to manage my anger. Fair enough? First step to recovery is what? Admit you got a problem. In fact, if you have ever been or you know someone who's been to Alcoholics Anonymous, one of the first things they have you do is stand up and say what? Hi, I'm Chris. I'm an alcoholic. Not really. Um, could be. They save the grace of God. But yes. We need to admit it. We need to decide today we want to manage it. Lord, I have a problem with being slow to anger. Lord, I have a problem. I am quick to speak. I am quick to wrath. Lord, today I want to be a person that responds like you. I want to be patient. I don't want to be easily provoked. I want the things that I respond to to be things that are displeasing to you. Because hear me, we get in a lot of trouble when we spiritualize our opinions or our preferences. And we cloak them in a priestly robe with a little, little, very little P. Okay? And we say, well, surely this would please God. And we never look to see if the Word of God affirms it. We just let tradition guide us. Or preference dictate to us and we need to be careful Lord today 
I want to manage my anger. I want to respond, not react. I was talking to a person not really that long ago. And they were obviously angry at me. Or at least the red in their face and the spit coming out of their mouth implied that they were angry at me, okay? And they looked at me and said, I'm not angry with you. I don't have a problem with anger. And I was like, okay, guess I read that one wrong. We must manage it. We must decide. We cannot live in denial. You know what? If that's the issue of my life, it's not the end of the world. It's not a sin that God can't forgive. And it's not a part of our lives that He wants to not take control of. He is happy to do it. But God, here it is. Some people have a problem with envy. Some with lust. Some with jealousy. Maybe yours is anger. Lord, I bring it to you today. And maybe what you're angry about is something that God would be angry about, but you've been reacting and not responding. Lord, I want to give it to you. I want you to help me manage it. Lord, I submit it. I surrender it. It belongs to you. Proverbs 29, 11 says that a fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. A fool vents his feeling, all his feeling, but a wise man holds it back. Because if you vent full to your anger or fully vent your anger, you just create more anger. Doritos had a wonderful commercial, and it said this, Eat all you want, we'll make more. Let me tell you something. Satan knows that uncontrolled anger unrighteous indignation he knows that it is a cancer in the life of a believer and he knows that if he can get you angry you know what I'm talking about have you ever been mowing the grass and you're just tooling along mowing the grass and you start thinking about something and the more you think about Kind of get worked up about it. And when you start it out like this, by the time you realize that you're somewhere else, you're doing this. Boy, if I could just get my hand on them. Or laying in bed. You know what I'm talking about? You're laying in bed and your mind won't just, just won't shut off. And you remember an interaction with somebody you had that day. And it didn't sit well. But at that moment, you just could not think of what to say. So you left feeling like they had the upper hand. But now you're laying in bed. And man, your mind starts working. And you're thinking, I should have said this. Boy, next time I see them, I'm going to say that. And before you know it, you're just mad. Because see, Satan is no fool. He knows what gets you. And if he can find what gets you, um, he's going to grab you. 
So we want to decide. I admit it. God, this is an issue in my life. Proverbs, I'm, I'm sorry, Psalm 37, 8 says, Cease from anger and forsake wrath. How often is it the reaction of someone that causes their downfall rather than the incident that caused the anger? As a child of God who is living under the control of the Holy Spirit, You can trust that God will take care of you. If he will not take care of you, he is a liar. Because he has said that I will not leave you. I will forsake you. Not forsake you. He said, vengeance is mine. Let me be the one that protects you. And at that moment that I say, God, you're not working fast enough. God, you're not working strong enough. God, you're not doing this. Then I begin to take over. And when I take over, my reaction becomes something that's not pleasing to God. And when my reaction's not pleasing to God, I get to a moment where I mean, ooh, I shouldn't have said that. You ever had that moment? I should not have said that. I should not have done that. Does it look like an outburst always? No. Is it always red-faced? No. Sometimes it's a reaction that just wants to get back at the other person. So it may be cloaked in sugar. And awfully sweet. Yeah. So see, Satan will take us where we are. We have to be careful. Proverbs 25, 28, whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. When we are consumed by anger, we are defenseless. Because even the least little thing will get a reaction out of us. <laughs> and can I tell you, there are people out there that will pick up on that weakness. Mm, somebody knows it. They just went, Shoo. yeah, you know what I'm talking about, man. There are people out there that will pick up on that weakness and they will just poke. Because they know they can get you to respond. React. Because if you react, in a way that's not pleasing to God, now Satan has an opportunity. And if Satan gets an opportunity, guess what? He's not going to waste it. <laughs> In fact, he will seize that moment. All right, so we need to decide to manage our anger. We need to deduce the cost of our anger. What will my anger cost me? Do you think that the young man that drove his car into the pile of people at Charlottesville last weekend, do you think before he mashed the gas that he sat down and said that I may face more than 10 felony charges because of this reaction? 
Probably not. In a moment of reaction, he just went, boom, and there he was. And now, on the other side, he is facing multiple, multiple charges and has inflicted multiple, multiple pain. What will my anger cost me? Lord, I want you to have control of it. Lord, help me to see the consequences of my anger. If I post this on Facebook, if I say this to a friend, if I react to my spouse this way, if I respond to my children this way, and y'all hear me, it is so easy to fall into the trap of being the one who provokes. So we don't want to be the one who provokes, and we don't want to be the one who is easily provoked. But what will it cost me? Will it cost me a relationship with my child? Will it cost me a relationship with my spouse? Will it cost me a relationship with fellow believers in the body of Christ? Will it cost me my job? I had a job one time and we were asked to do something. Me and the guy that I was working with. And the man that we worked for, who was not always the easiest person in the world to work for, walked out and said, hey, will y'all do this? And the this was not really in our job description, and the this wasn't pleasant. And the man that was working beside me picked up a trash can, threw it across the room, and with an expletive said, no, I won't do that. I got to come back and work after lunch. He did not. His reaction cost him a job, a testimony. It cost his family. Yeah. What will it cost me? Proverbs 29, 22. An angry man stirs up strife, and a furious man abounds in transgression. Transgression. What are two costs of anger? You will be... personally responsible for the havoc that's in your life, that's in your relationships. Uncontrolled anger will cause us to commit many sins. Again, it doesn't always have to be the trash can across the room. It can be the rebellion that causes you to step outside the will of God. The rebellion that would cause you to inflict hurt on another person. You can do it a lot of ways, so you got to be careful because Satan will say, oh, you didn't blow up, you were just as... Sweet as molasses. Well, sometimes sweet as molasses is as sour as vinegar. So you want to be careful. Here's a thought. When we lose our temper, we lose. Not when we respond to something that should be responded to with anger, but when we just lose control. When we lose control, we lose. We don't want to lose control. Ephesians 4 again says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let me put a plug in here for Wednesday night life groups that we have. For every age group here in the church, we have a Wednesday night Bible study for that age group. And on Wednesday night, 
and on Sunday morning too, but especially on Wednesday night, we deal with topics. We deal with topics that help us to be stronger believers, more influencers of, our, of, of the people around us with our faith. We learn how to navigate situations of life that pop up. If you're an adult, you would meet in this building over here in the bottom floor. It starts at 6.30. If you are 6th through 12th grade, you would meet on that far end of the ark on the second floor. If you are children, you meet on this end of the ark in the room that is to my right and to your left. But there's something there at 6.30 for every age group, and we talk about how to navigate these moments. It's a smaller group, usually a little more intimate group. We sit around tables if you're an adult and tables if you're a youth or in a groups, and we get to talk about how to help each other through situations in life. But we deduce the cost. We deliver our worries to God. Psalm 37, 8, number 3. Uh, deliver your worries to God. Psalm 37, 8. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. Have y'all ever seen the movie Toy Story? It's a pretty cool movie. If you like little fake humans walking around living a life. But in the movie... Toy Story. Woody gets angry at Buzz Lightyear. Woody gets angry at Buzz Lightyear because he's worried about losing his place in the toy world. His fear causes him to lash out at an innocent victim. Be careful that we don't become Woody. That we are afraid of losing our place. That we're afraid of losing our position. That God will not favor us or this person or that person. No, as a child of God, I submit to Him. I trust Him. And God will lead us. Holding on to anger can affect you spiritually, physically, and mentally. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind through Christ. Be anxious for nothing, but with prayer and supplication, let your request. Lord, what's going on in my life, I don't understand it. Lord, I feel that it's not fair. God, if I'm not seeing this right, then help me understand, Lord, how I'm being treated in this relationship or how I'm, this is going on or that is going on. God, I don't know what's happening here, but God, with, with supplication, thanksgiving that you are my God and that you're in control, God, I'm bringing it to you and I'm asking you to show me how to respond, not react. I'm show, asking you to show me how to live and to love. God, I'm showing, asking you to show me how to let other people see the the, the hope that I have in you in every moment. God, you guide me. God, you walk me through it. Deliver your worries to God. Tell God, it's okay to tell God you're angry about something. It's okay to tell God that you don't feel like something's fair. It's okay to tell God you're hurt. It's okay to tell God, hey, I blew it today, Lord. I don't know what to do now, but my worries are to you. And then what does he tell us? If your burden's heavy, 
If you're tired, take my yoke upon you. It is light. He says, all who are weary and heavy laden, come unto me and I will give you rest. Through it all, through it all, we can depend on him. Delay responding to your anger, number four. I was reading quotes about anger. And 200 years ago, this man said, When angry, count to five. When real angry, count to ten. 100 years later, another man said, When angry, exercise restraint. When real angry, cuss. 100 years difference. Big difference in the response. What are we hearing today? When angry hurts somebody. In 200 years, we've gone from counting to 10 to who can I kill? We better wake up. We better wake up. Because we are building the world that our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren have got to be in. And there are people out there who are reacting, not responding. And the church needs to respond. And we can't respond if we put our head in the sand and say, it's not happening. It is happening. And we have got to be the voice. We've got to be the body of Christ. Christ did not run from the struggle. He ran to the struggle. He didn't run from the hill called Calvary. He ran up the hill called Calvary. And he said, Lord, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. He was the one that said, I will make change. I want to make a difference. Let me live in your heart. I will make a difference in you. And when he makes a difference in you, then we can make a difference in the world. But we got to do it together. Does that mean we could have some, unco- some conversations that make us uncomfortable? Maybe so. But an uncomfortable conversation never killed anybody. Especially when we apply the truth of Acts 17.26 that says, Out of one blood he created us all. You see, I said it last week, I'll say it this week, I'm probably going to say it next week. When we walk in the room with I love you, period, no matter what, then we can navigate the disagreement and on the other side learn to love each other and on the other side learn how to live and affect a different reality, a different outcome. I had a conversation on the phone this week because I had a moment of conflict with a lady that's in our church. And it wasn't bad. It wasn't ugly. It's just normal interaction between human beings. She called me the next day and said, I owe you an apology. I was less than kind yesterday. I thought, well then, if you owe me one, I probably ought to throw one back because I reacted, didn't respond, and I threw one back at you. And from that conversation, the person said, I'm not used to that. 
I'm not used to being accepted on the backside of a conflict. You ministered to me today. I'm thinking, well, you just don't know how much you ministered to me because not many people call and say, I'm sorry anymore. Whether it was needed or not needed, and it really wasn't needed, but whether it's needed or not, how many, what do you hear now? Not, I'm sorry because I did wrong, but if I offended you, then oops. No, I'm sorry. Because this was the key word. Because in my time with the Lord today, He convicted me. In my time with God. You can't have a word from God if you're not spending time with God. But if we do, He'll guide us. Delay before responding. Here's some questions to ask. Why am I angry? Have I been wronged? Am I afraid? Am I insecure? Is my anger justified? Would what I'm angry at, would it cause God anger? And you say, can you give me this idea that God would get angry? Yes, I can. Remember when Jesus was trying, the little children were trying to get to Jesus, and the disciples were like, had built a wall and said, don't get around him. And he said, hey, suffer those little children. In other words, I'm kind of upset with you guys right now. I want those children around me. He got angry. Remember that time he was in the temple and they were abusing the, the, uh, the sacrifice system and they were trying to make profit off of, off of uh, animals that were less than ready for the sacrifice and they were charging too much? What did he do? He threw some tables, didn't he? Then he never sinned. So, Mr. D, next time you get upset, just throw a table. Somebody says, what are you doing? I'm just acting like Jesus. No, don't do it. It might get you in trouble. Yeah, it might get us in trouble. Am I justified? If I express my anger, what are the consequences? Will I damage my marriage? Will I ruin a friendship? Will I lose my job? Will I represent Christ in a positive way? Here's another question to ask. Will this expression of anger that I'm about to display, will it resolve the issue? Will it resolve the issue? Will it make a difference? Last one. Determine your expectations. Oftentimes, Unrighteous anger, not righteous anger, but unrighteous anger is the result of an expectation that may not be fair. We put an expectation on a person to be something that God never called them to be. We put an expectation on a situation that that situation cannot ever live up to. Help me here just a minute. Have you ever built some, uh, you have an event planned. And that event is so planned and so ready and you've built it up in your head and you're so excited and you're there in the event that you built it up so big that the event cannot live up to the expectation that you have placed on it and you get home and you're like, man, I'm bummed. Yes, that happens. 
Well, it happens in life and it happens with people. And when we are angry at a person, we need to ask ourselves. We need to go to God. God is the expectation I have on that person. Is it an expectation that is realistic? Is it an expectation that you would have on them? Is it an expectation that would honor you? Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. How we think is going to run our lives. So a man thinks, so he is. I've got to change how I think if I want to be the navigator of a different outcome. 